Hello, my name is Jerry Durham, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, What's Best for the Patient is Best for the Business. This podcast was put together for you, the healthcare practice owner, and wants to achieve success in your healthcare practice and turn this practice, this clinic, into a business. So if you want growth and scalability that drives financial performance, all three of those don't always come together. But if you want that, then you've come to the right place. I'm here to help you be most successful in your healthcare practice and turn it into a business. Cheers. Thanks for coming. Hello, my name is Jerry Durham. Welcome to what's best for the patient is best for business podcast. This is the interview series, doing it and helping others. Enjoy. Dr. J, on to you, please. All right. So, hey, guys, I am Dr. Joanne Michelle Martin. I am a pelvic floor physical therapist, the owner of JMM Health Solutions in located in Duluth, Georgia, which is in the Atlanta metro area. I am originally from Barbados. I left Barbados on a college scholarship, an athletic scholarship to play volleyball um, here in the U.S. I left my sophomore year of college. Um, I got injured. There is nothing like seeing a freshman take your spot. (laughs) it's really awful when you're an upperclassman considered one um so that was kind of heartbreaking but then the pain just kept getting worse and worse and worse and thank thank god my coach and i are, are very close to this day um you know to the point where you know, like I, I was at her kids weddings, like we, you know, my kids, my kids call her kids auntie because I watched her kids grow up as well. And so it's, we've just always been pretty close and she knew something was wrong because she was like, you're not a slacker. What's going on? And I, I didn't want to speak up. I didn't want to say anything because again, I'm on a college scholarship. You know, if you can't perform, then pack your bags and go. Right. So I'm like, let me not complain. Let me not do nothing. Let me just try to grin and bear. I'm in the weight room every day. I'm like, Oh, this hurts. Can I do something like an alternative? Like I finally got to the point where I could say, Hey, um, when I do this, it hurts a little bit, you know, but, but is it okay if I do something else? I'll do whatever you tell me. I'll do like, it doesn't matter. I'll do whatever you tell me. Um, to the point where I was limping. Um, and I had pain in both legs, uh, found out, you know, through bone scans and other diagnostic, I had stress fractures. I, we thought we, I only had stress fractures in one leg. I had stress fractures in both of them. Um, I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon until the day that I had this stuff done, which was the day that I pretty much chewed out the, uh, orthopedic surgeon and put him out of my room because the, you know, I'm in the hospital all day. I get these things done these labs done, these tests done. I haven't eaten at all. I am cranky. I am tired. I am nervous. I am hungry. You know, in walks this physician and a PA. He's got my films. He goes, okay, you've got pretty bad fractures in both legs. So we're going to schedule you for surgery. All right. And he turns around and walks out. He didn't lift his head one time. There was no, Hey, hello. How you doing? Nothing. And I was like, hold on. Say what? I said, well, what is the likelihood that I'll be able to play next season? You're not. What is the likelihood that I'll be able to play again? I don't know. You might not be able to play. So start thinking about other things. Very callous, very unconcerned. And I was just like, get the F out. I looked at the PA. The PA was from, I think, I believe it was either Bermuda or Bermuda or Bahamas. I said, listen, you from where I come from. I need you to tell me what the hell is happening. Okay. Like you're not going to cut me because if you cut me and I can't 
play, if I stay injured and I can't play, then what the hell is the point? So what are my options? At least give me my options. And I was like, can I rehab this, say six months or so, with the potential for it to get better? He says, you could, but I can't guarantee you. I said, can I make a deal with you that I will rehab, I will bust my ass, I will get stuff done, and then if in six months and we retest and things are not there, then I have surgery. He says, that sounds fair. I said, okay, cool. The doctor's like, you just can't tell me. I was like, I have nothing to say to you. And quite frankly, you're not touching me. You will not do my surgery. I will kill you first. And so that was me wanting to not become an orthopedic surgeon because I was like, I don't want to be that. I went home. I spent the rest of that um that was that spring of my sophomore year. I spent the rest of that spring semester just strength training, you know, pretty much hanging out in whirlpools, you know, 40 degree water, if not colder, just, you know, from the chest down, um, doing whatever I could. I went home that summer back to Barbados and my former track coach, I told her what was going on. I said, I have to train. I got to keep training all summer. I, you know, you got to help me. And I went to track practice that whole summer. I, I didn't I didn't play club volleyball that summer. Um, I represented the junior national and senior national women's team for Barbados for at least seven years. From the time I was 16, I got called to trials for the junior national team. And the last year of competition I played, I was was the year that I turned 24. So eight years. And I but that year I was like, I told him, I said, well. I'm not playing this year. I didn't tell anybody I was injured. I didn't want to tell anybody anything. I just was like, I'm not playing club this year. I'm not playing competition this year. Um, I'll let you guys know. Um, I'll, I'll for sure let you guys know for next year. I went to the stadium. I did grass workouts with my coach. Whatever she told me, I was in the gym. I, I did not complain. I mean, I was just doing it. When I went back for my imaging, things were healed and they were like, well, it looks good. Whatever you're doing, keep doing, let's do a follow-up scan in six months. And that was with the PA that I had seen. And, um, and I said, okay, cool. And I was like, red check mark next to your name on the schedule. They probably did. They, they probably did. Um, but you know, and that my junior year was horrible. My junior year, I went through a lot of self. Cause you know, you, when you play a sport, I've played competitive sports since I was seven. I had, and just to kind of, you know, for a little bit of context, I had college scholarships for both track and volleyball. Like I, 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 I mean, I love to compete in everything that I do. When your image of who you are is tied so closely to what you do, because it's all that you've done and then you can't do it. It, it is a complete and total, like, I mean, mind fuck for lack of a better expression. It like, it just will mess with you. And so I was like, okay, you know, here, here go the freshmen, right. You know, coming into starting positions and I'm a junior and that is just, and all I'm doing is crying. Like I'm, I'm leaving, I'm, I'm training, I'm doing the best that I can. I'm going back to my dorm and I'm just crying. And I am like, I, I probably spend most of my junior year crying and to the point where I just was like, you can either cry or you can get up off your ass and do something about it. And so again, busting my butt spring of junior year to make sure that I was pushing hard and everything went home, competed in club, competed with the national team and was back on the court, got, you know, starting back as a senior and everything. And I was like, okay, 
no pain. I was good. Life was good. I was like, all right, that was my junior year was when I decided physical therapy was what I was going to do because I wanted to be a part of that process. I didn't want to be the person that came in, gave the bad news, be the calloused individual and have no idea what the hell the outcome was. I didn't want to be that person. Um, so anyway, fast forward, you know, went to PT school, you know, continued to compete, would, would go home and to travel and compete for the country and everything and, and international meets and whatnot, and then get out of school. And, you know, the, the year after you get done with, um, with school, you, it's almost like a gap year. They give you a, a visa. It's temporary. It's for one year. And if the company wants to keep you on, then that's when you get that um, that other visa. That'll be three years and renewable for another three. So I was working with a company and my questions, you know, were like, well, you, you know, you don't have to pay for it, but will you at least sponsor? I just need you to fill out the paperwork. I was very frank. I just need you to fill out the paperwork. And, you know, working with a company, um, very athletic population, middle of Manhattan, absolutely loved it. Um, and, you know, I, I started, I would get like a lot of the pregnant and postpartum clients thrown my way. And at that point in time, I didn't think anything of it is, you know, I had other therapists who actually has said, yeah, I really don't like working with them because I don't know what to do. And I was like, okay, whatever. Kept working with them, kept working with my athletic population, especially, you know, my youth and collegiate athletes. That was where, cause I just knew, you know, as an athlete, I will work with athletes all the time that kind of changed a little bit because in college I was a grad assistant athletic trainer. I traveled with six different teams. Traveling will wear your tail out. Like I was just like, I'm not doing this no more like this. That's it. So, you know, coming into PT, I was like, do I really want to travel? I don't think I do, but I still want to continue to work with that population. Um, I left New York. Um, my husband and I left New York. We came down to Atlanta and was working with another company, um, was kind of disappointed because I got here. And first of all, you know, they were, you know, they're courting me, things sounded good. You know, we started kind of mapping our plans for where we're going to buy our home and stuff based on like clinic location, you know, cause we want to minimize commutes and stuff, get down here and they go, Oh, somebody took that position. So we got to put you in another office 45 minutes away. I'm like, what the, <laughs> I'm like, that's not what I, so I was already a little bit miffed, went to an office where I thought I could get mentorship, but it was really, they wanted to get numbers. Um, so it was really disappointing to say the least anyway, um, made the best of it. Um, I end up not going to either of those offices and going to another clinic. Um, the commute was bad and, you know, I, I liked it there, stay there for about two years. And one of the things I liked was in Georgia, you know, high school sports is really big. I got to see my athletes. So, you know, I still was seeing some women's health. I was seeing a mixed population, but I got all the kids thrown at me now because none of the other clinicians knew what the heck to do with them. They would have the ACL kid on the table with straight leg raises and hip abduction. And I'm looking at the poor kid going, Hey, so, you know, my football players, what time you run your 40 in? all right, so what do you do about this? What position are you playing? I'm like, hey, can you do this? And looking at like, you know, I'll do little things to check their reaction or whatever. And the therapists are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm not going to try to put, you know, throw shade at you, but you cannot put these kids on the table and keep them there. Like, like he's past the point of rehab. Like we have to get back into sports specific. Like what, what are we doing? 
you know, you've got, and especially when the track athletes or the volleyballers came in, I'm like, what are, what are you doing? So they started throwing them on my schedule. Actually, a lot of kids started coming on my schedule because if they would see me with my kids, I was in the right. park. I travel with a soccer ball, a basketball, a volleyball, tennis balls and cones in my car. <laughs> so I would be like, all right, you warmed up. Let's go outside. We're doing sprints. We got this, we got, and I, I've got workouts carved out from, we're doing agility stuff. I'm out there path, you know, peppering with my volleyball players. I'm looking at their technique, all sorts of stuff. And other kids are like, we, I don't, I don't do that. Then I got nothing to do with me. Talk to your therapist. So then I end up with having all these people on my schedule because they're like, well, we, I want to do that. You know, I would go to my kids' games. People are like, why are you going to the kids' games? I'm like, because they're my kids. You know, they're my kids. I work with them. I rehab them. Now I want to see them perform. Uh, so it's just really interesting because it, it was this, well, you're supposed to treat the patient and that's it. I'm like, yeah, I don't operate like that. I'm sorry. Like, those are my babies. Like, I train, I, I rehab them. I get them back on the field. I for damn sure want to see what they look like on the field because they know I'll talk about them. You get out there and do some stupid stuff. I'm going to be the one talking about you, not your coach. <laughs> and so, and I, I had this wonderful, you know, rapport with my patients. I ended up leaving that job for another position, ended up being a clinic director elsewhere. And oh my God, that was the beginning of the end of outpatient for me. Um, just bad culture, bad environment, um, very, very misogynistic, um, mentality. It just, it was very toxic environment. Um, nonetheless, I, I tried to do the best that I can, uh, that I could at the time. There was a, a surgeon, a trauma surgeon that worked next door. Um, and what I saw was, especially with a lot of the female, um, patients, they were involved in trauma, more like falls, um, motor vehicle accidents, those kind of things. So now I was seeing pelvic, a lot of pelvic issues, whether um, pre-op pelvic um, fractures or non-op pelvic fractures, but I'm seeing it now from a different perspective. So not just the, oh, you had a baby, but like some physical trauma. And I was really intrigued. And that was really what set off like, okay, I'm for sure going down this path. So I was like six years out of PT school and trying to gobble up everything that I knew pelvic health. Um, I ended up, I got pregnant and was like, yeah, I'm not doing this. I'm not working here after I have my kids. So, you know, left there and was just doing PRN at the hospital. And, and once you realize that you are not tied to a schedule and you have some semblance of autonomy, it is really hard to go back. So I loved PRN. All I had to do was give them a couple weekends a month, which I could do. It was great for me because it was a balance that I needed being a new mom and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, so my daughter is eight now. Then about, and I was working at PRN at two hospitals. One of them I was floating to, actually both of them, I was going to mother baby and the NICU. So now I'm like actually there with the women as they're pregnant through delivery, postpartum, and I freaking loved it. I was like, this is it. Um, one hospital, I was like, well, I would really love to stay on this floor. Well, what are you going to do with them? And I'm like, there's so much. And I'm telling her all these things. I'm telling the supervisor all these things. Um, and well, there's no need for you to be on that floor. Well, about three months later, there's another therapist now 
who is solely on that. And I was like, well, how that she's never worked on that floor in her life. And I was like, okay, I see how this is going to go. Shortly thereafter, I had my annual review for which the supervisor said, well, you know, everyone seems to like you. You get along well. I even went to the floors and asked people about you, which kind of stunned me because I'm like, you're going to the floors and asking. Yeah, but nobody said anything negative. And I'm like, why are you saying this? Like you're surprised. I'm like, I'm confused. And then she goes, but you're, but you're overconfident. And I, in that moment, I just got really pissed. I got really pissed. And I said, if I were a man getting this review, would you tell me the same thing? And she says, see, that's what I mean. You're overconfident. I was like, look, if you have nothing else to tell me, I got patience to go see. And I got up and walk. You just can't walk. I said, well, I'm about to walk out. You can do whatever the hell you want to do about it. I'm, I'm going to see my patients. And I was just pissed. I was just, because I was like, I'm, I don't, I like, I, I, I didn't even know what to think. Right. So I ended up leaving there. I stayed at the other hospital, did, you know, say to mother baby, but while I was there, which was about five years ago. So this was 2016. I decided that I'm going to do some contract work and consulting. I, you know, I wanted to kind of get out. I was doing, you know, I'm like, there are other opportunities that I could have where I have some autonomy, um, you know, working with clients and doing different things and, you know, and then working with others who like, cause I really like this whole mother baby stuff. And I really wanted to find a way to kind of figure out how I could just expand on that. Um, so decided to do that was doing some peds, you know, working for the state, doing some early intervention, different things like that was like, hmm, they got pelvic floors too. So started doing, um, some pediatric pelvic floor and consulting with other, other therapists doing that. And it was really awesome. And part of it at that point in time was I, I wanted to, to really go out a hundred percent on my own. I was scared. It was the fear. It was a fear because like Dr. Danelle said, there's real, there was really no mention. I did not know any, a black pelvic floor therapist. I did not know. I knew very few. I'm trying to think if I knew any female clinic owners, I knew female clinic directors, but I did not know a female clinic owner. I didn't, I didn't know of someone who was, who I could pattern something off of. And my attempt, you know, in working with, uh, even, you know, going to a clinic director to say, Hey, I see what you're doing. That's kind of the direction I want to go. Can you help me? And it was like, yes, I'll help you. You know, or can I, can we set a meeting? I'll pay you. I mean, like I I'll tell people straight up, I have no problem paying you. I just want your time. Like your time is valuable to me. I just want your time. I'm, I'm trying to learn. And I got stood up by this person twice. Mm. And I was like, Oh, well, okay. And I said, all right, well, I, I'll just, you know what? It can't be that hard. I'll figure it out. My husband thought I was crazy. So that then really bode well initially during that part <laughs> for, the, for the, the whole marriage thing. Right. Oh, and did I mention that I had two toddlers? I had a, to- no, actually I had a toddler and how old was my other kid? I guess he would have been considered a toddler because there were three in one. So I had two little kids. Um, yeah. And I was doing that. I decided, oh, starting a business now is great. It is a great time to do this level of madness. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, yeah. And the funny thing is, is, you know, that the whole birth um, birth world just kept coming back to me. Like I would, you know, I'd 
I see all types of patients. I see men, I see women, I see children. You know, I do the full spectrum of pelvic health. I, I see sexual dysfunction issues, chronic pelvic pain, and I'm so intrigued by that. Um, I see a lot of obstetric or, or maternal cases, you know, whether pregnant, postpartum. But the whole pregnancy and postpartum aspect just kept coming back to me, partly because of my own experience, partly because of the BS that's going on in our community, in our society um, with maternal health. And I was like, I, I want to do something. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I want to be in some way, shape or form involved in the fight to make maternal health outcomes better, to help women to have a voice, to help women to know that they have options. Um, and so then, you know, I, and I just kept on growing and learning. Um, I had already taken, do I had already supported births. I'd already been there with, with um, clients and friends and supported births and just was like, well, I've already done it. Let me just go do the, you know, doula training after the fact, you know, maybe I'll learn something new, maybe not, but um, because I'd already taken also the um, physical therapy obstetric trainings and, you know, so had done, had gone and, and, to a few um, doula trainings and became a doula trainer myself, right? Because I'm like, there's a lot that they know and I absolutely love it. And I think there's a lot more that they could know, you know, the, just so that they're aware a little bit more of the clinical and then they can marry those worlds a little bit better. Knowing how to better refer their, their clients if they see something, right? Knowing how to spot red flags. It's not saying you have to be a clinician to this person, but now if you see something, you can get this person where they need to be. You can get them there even faster. You can help these moms and we you can help overcome some of these issues that these women are facing. Um, so needless to say, um, I kept doing that. 2020 was the year. <laughs> um, I started um, a practice with a colleague who was also a doula called the Pelvic PT Doulas. Um, well, not a practice, a business where we do um, education. So we do, we have currently a doula training for clinicians, specifically ge geared towards clinicians. And because clinicians love continuing education so much, we partnered with Alcove Education, uh, which was founded by a, a physical therapist so that they can also have continuing education units. So it's not like, oh, I go take this amazing training, but then I have no content to show for it. Well, you know, after spending a weekend in this class. Um, so we, we wanna give them the best of both worlds. Um, and I've been doing that since uh, middle last year. Then Dr. D and I, what she didn't tell you is the reason why I, you know, rushed her and hugged her was because it was so refreshing to hear another West Indian woman. It was so refreshing because I heard the accent and it was a wrap. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and she was like, what in the world? And I was like, I was yeah. going to ask, or I didn't want to, didn't want to ask when you first brought it up, but so how far apart are the islands? Um. We, we we can get it's pretty close they're southwest of us so we can get there in about 30, 45 minutes by plane yeah it's pretty close cool yeah we're we're the we're the two most like like we're the southern islands in the caribbean so culturally we we get each other because like there are some cultural nuances that may be a little bit different in the northern islands but you know yeah yeah so it, it was very refreshing um to, to, you know, to meet her and see her. And, you know, we had so many conversations about, you know, just our journey and, 
you know, all the, all the different things. And we decided that we were going to do this. Our personalities really are a compliment to each other because D is the meticulous, very like, she, she loves to problem solve and she's very meticulous and she's a perfectionist, right? Like she's like, this is going to be perfect. And this is, and I'm like, yes, let's do it. Let's go. And she's like, well, well, how are we going to do it? that's not the point. The point is we're doing it. Let's go do it. (laughs) And she's like, you are crazy. Yep. I've been told that several times. Let's go do it. (laughs) So we balance each other out very, very well in terms of, um, not, not a cut across you, Dr. J, but just in terms of um, serving our population, you're going to get the best of both worlds because you need both of those things in entrepreneurship to different degrees, Mm -hmm. you know? You're going to need you're going to need the attention to detail and the the ability to problem solve, but you're also going to need to get up off your butt and just get things done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move forward, so it's it's a perfect complement for for the women that we serve. Absolutely, and I I mean we've been we've been running the BFF program since last fall, and oh, wow. you know, and coming into this coming into 2021, it's just been beautiful. Like you know, like every and part of me felt slightly guilty because there were a lot of people who were reeling after last year. I was busy as hell. (laughs) I was like, I want a vacation. I need to go sleep. Like what the, you know, like it was, it was something at every turn. You know, one of the things that I started long before telehealth was a necessity um, cause I was practicing telehealth with my clients because I felt like it was an opportunity. I started doing telehealth probably about seven years ago because I thought it was an opportunity to better engage with patients. And when I, I love st- this, I love this part. I've, I've had this discussion with a few people. It was like to everybody's like telehealth. It was like, no, it should have always been part. It of should it. have always been there. Right? I, I used it as a follow-up. I so it. I would have, yes, patients yes, and I yes, would yes, say, the follow-up, right? Hey, I would say, clinic, you know, right. This one visit, yeah, yeah, I love this because mm-hmm. I haven't heard this very often. This I was I was trying to get this implemented, and I'm like, I bet more people would agree to arrive if they knew the next three visits or so were going to be remote. Well, not only that, I think you know one of the things that I would find is you you see somebody on an eval, you evaluate them, you you talk through things, you give them some stuff. They come back to you. No, none of the home exercise program was done. No action was taken. Right. They say, well, I didn't I didn't know about this. I didn't know how to do this. Um, I didn't know what to do. And what and I, and I got mad. I got tired of hearing people say that. But then part of me was maybe it's you because your directive might not have been clear. Mm-hmm. So I started saying, well, let's you got you got WhatsApp, you got Skype, you you know, you want to go on, on on a video call, something like that. Or sometimes it would just be a phone call and it would be like, hey, I'm just following up with you. This is just something that I do. I just want to check in and make sure everything is OK. Do you have any questions for me? Do you have any concerns? How are the exercises going? Are they difficult? Do we need to change anything? And sometimes it will be, oh, man, you know, I just didn't start. I'm like, listen. If, if you don't do what you're supposed to do on your end, this, this isn't going to work, right? Do you, if you need encouragement, let me know. If there's something that you need from me that I can provide for you, I'm happy to. What it worked really well with was my pediatric clients. Because when I was seeing kids, if I, especially really, really little kids, when I was doing stuff um, and contracting for the state, if I had one parent there 
And then somehow or another, like that parent was working the next day and the child was with a the parent. There was always that lapse in communication. Mom couldn't explain to dad what was happening. Dad couldn't explain to mom. So nothing was getting done. And God forbid the grandma was the one that was there or the nanny was the one that was there. None of the parents knew what the hell was going on. And I would go ahead and just jump on video, say, hey, tell me a time when both of you guys are going to be there so we can just walk through everything, make sure everybody's on the same page and get this kiddo, you know, fixed. And, And people loved it. And I started and I was like, I could totally turn this into something. So in 2018, I think it was 2018, I started Zero to Telehealth, um, which was just online, just coaching, consulting, talking with clinic owners about how they can get this set up in their practice. I had, you know, a lot of people who were very, very um, willing to do it and they were excited. And I had a lot of people that they would call me for a consult and then turn around and tell me this would never work. Uh, So why are you calling me? (laughs) you know, and, and it was interesting. I mean, I had so many people who told me, you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. I was like, but I've been doing it for this length of time and it works. So, you know, okay. If you say so, you know, and then what was funny was when 2020 hit and some of those same people were saying, Hey, can you help me? And I was like, but I didn't know what I was talking about. (laughs) I, I still don't know what I'm talking about. Apparently. You know, because I mean, like, just because it is something that's foreign doesn't mean it's something that that should be dismissed. You know, would would it work? Will, will certain things work for everybody? Absolutely not. But by the same token, could there be things about telehealth that can be implemented, even if all you did was put it in a hybrid practice? And so that experience of working with clinicians and and, and you know, clinic owners and different things like that. That really kind of fueled my love for consulting because it's not something that people teach, you know, they teach you in PT school or anything like that. It's just, I'm like, God, I love it. It's like teaching, but without the bureaucracy and the academia and all the other things. And it's great. And I really just, I really enjoyed it, you know? So all those things kind of came together and and brought me to where I am right now. So let's catch up to you two together. If you guys don't mind. So we got the we got the BFF, the Black Female Foundation. I keep missing the last F. Black Female Foundation. So you guys created this in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yep. So tell me about the people you're working with. And by people, I mean what right? Where are they coming from? Not only um, I'm not saying like Maryland and Atlanta. I'm talking about, are these um, PTs? Um, Who are they? What kind of backgrounds? Who are these people looking for help from you guys? Um, Overwhelmingly, our population right now is young business owners, um, physical therapists, um, who are between one to five years in practice. Um, We have people who have not started as yet, and they know that they need mentorship and leadership um, and coaching. Um, And they are, they're a range of problems that we solve, if that makes sense. Um, some Here, let's put it this way. You said if it makes sense. I like this better. There's a range of problems that people bring to you, right? True. You talk, yeah. right? Yeah, and I'm serious. I, mm-hmm. I like that approach. Um, and I'm making like the front desk people. And so I like this, hey, hey, do you, right? It's like, oh, you need something. Rather than selling our solution, it's like, let me hear what what's going on and then let's see if there's something we can do right mm-hmm. so Absolutely. just so you understand the context because the root the root cause of a lot of the issues is pretty similar 
Yes, so they, they, yeah, correct. so they'll, they'll bring it and they'll frame it in one particular way, but really and truly when you, you look at it, it's, it's just, you know, this. So, yeah. And so then if you only present one solution, they'll go, that's not for me. You'll go, mm-hmm. what's your problem? You'll go, oh, shit. So I like people to bring the problem and go, so is this. So because then when they tell you the problem, sorry, I don't want to get too deep into this. When they tell you the problem, they'll tell you the result they're looking for. And mm-hmm. then that's when you know if you can deliver. Yeah. All right. Go on. And by the way, the name implies, let me clarify, black females are all your clients. Correct. Yes. No. Uh, yes. We it, it's not just minority, just not black females. We work with minority women. And okay. that was very strategic um, in terms of our naming. I, I think we were. It's, it was 2020, guys, and we really oh, felt God. like there, there was this there was this need to fill a hole in the market. It was a no-brainer for us. Um, but really and truly, most of the minority women encountered very much the same issues that we have. So we actually work with minority women, um, mm-hmm. although it is called the Black Female Foundation. Cool. Um, problems that we saw. Yeah, back back to back to what what problems are they bringing to you guys to help them? So confusion in the market. Where do I stand? Am I good enough to do PT? Um, Confusion in terms of positioning in the market, in terms of their um, their practice, their product, their service. Am I good enough? Um, am I am I? Do I have all of the skills ready to do PT? And even all the way, and this comes back to the mindset aspect of the program that we talk about, where minority women, because of the role that we have in society, and because of the narratives, um, specifically the negative narratives that are formed around minority women. We have a lot of mindset work that we have to do to undo those conversations so that we can fully show up as confident and empowered businesswomen. Mm-hmm. Um, we also solve the problems of the, all of the other problems that present ourselves in business because business is not particularly different regardless of the industry. Um, it comes down to numbers. It comes down to systems. It comes down to positioning, marketing, and relationships. And that's what we basically teach in terms of the other aspects of the course. Um, We do have an aspect of the course where we do focus on relationships, building relationships outside of this group. We want to create this community that nurtures and fosters the development of these minority women in terms of developing their confidence and their skills as we appear in business. But when we go out into the real world, everyone does not look like us. We have to interact with everyone else. So we really make sure to lean on our connection like yourself, Jari, and other people that we've met in the market to make sure that these women are connected in the right ways that's going to give them the visibility and the leverage and the opportunities that most minority women miss because there's not a door open for them. Mm-hmm. Hey, I got to ask, and I think, um, again, right, like you were blown past the visa thing where I'm like, I think this might be important. Um, I think this falls in the same place. This is mindset thing sounds huge to me. So let let me back it up one more. Are are minority women coming to you? I'm curious. Are they coming to you because they want to serve people in, and I'm going to say their community, whatever their community is, right? Right. If they're Hispanic, Hispanic community, are these people that just want to, because I think there's a huge need out there for people Going back, right? If I show up in some of the neighborhoods, maybe where you guys are, I'm not going to, A, I'm not going to be successful helping people. Forget the business side of it, right? Because 
I don't know that I don't know that community. So are people coming back who want to serve their community, go out to other communities or all the above? Um, Jay, you want to take that? Absolutely. Um, not specifically. Um, right. I, I think I think all the all the people that we have worked with and we, we've been blessed to work with have very diverse populations. Um, and so it's not so much a matter of they are specifically as minorities looking to work within a minority community. But a lot of the mindset issues just really comes down to a lot of the societal narratives, systemic biases, things that they would have encountered um, you know, even interactions with other business persons, uh, you know, and, and for example, I give an example and I was, we were talking about this recently. I had an opportunity. I had someone come to me with regards to, you know, implementing, helping them with implementing women's health in their practice. Now they come, they came to me as a business owner, uh, business owner to business owner. And I said, you know, tell me specifically what you're looking for. Do you have anything set up? Do you have anything in place? So I know where, where we're starting from, where our starting point is. And I created a proposal for them with regards to looking to recruit people for their practice. Um, so helping them with the hiring process, helping them making sure that the policies and procedures that they needed just for the niche were where they should be all sorts of things. Um, and the, the business owner was male and he says to me, why should I pay you that? I said, you don't have to, but if you want my services, then you will. And he turns around and says, well, I can just hire you. I said, but you can't afford me, sir, as your employee. And, you know, and I said, listen, I'm going to stop you right here. Here's the proposal that I am making from you based on the things that you have said that you would like, but knowing this industry based on the things that I know that you will need as well. Um, you can take it or you can leave it. What you choose to do is totally and completely up to you. He turns around and then he says, why can't I hire you? Are you are you actually even happy in your job? I says, sir, there is a proposal. If you would like our services, just get back to me. And I went ahead and that was it. But helping these women, because again, and I have some background information on this person because based on their, you know, their culture, which is very male domineering, you know, they don't interact with women are subservient. Women don't you, you don't interact with women like that. I'm the boss. I'm the man. So even even helping women to be able to and helping these, you know, these participants in our program to be able to navigate scenarios like that within the greater community. So not necessarily for people that look like them, but working again, like I said, with other business owners and stuff like that. Um, that's really where we where we get into it. And then looking at a lot of just based on even their upbringing, their society, the stories that have been told, the way that society has been shaped and the things that they then perceive working on those things and, and helping them to overcome them in their business. And I have something that I'd like to add to that. I really oh, think minority women in the business world as very much of any, just having a lot of the characteristics of any marginalized group that you can think of. Wait a minute, wait a minute, back up, back up. I missed the beginning of that. You're saying any Say this, start from the beginning again. So I see minority women in business very much as any other marginalized group that you can think of, okay? Um, we are in the minority, so we don't have a lot of say in terms of how things 
are implemented or how things um, can actually affect us. We don't have a lot of say in it. Um, there are a lot of stereotypes from a gender perspective and from a race perspective that we are subject to that we have to wade through and deal with and cope with because we don't have the majority or the ability to change the status quo of what people think and what they perceive. So there are, undoubtedly, in, in, there are barriers that minority women are going to encounter in any sort of business relationship, regardless of experience, regardless of skill, mm-hmm. that they have to navigate that a white male like yourself, Jerry, is not going to encounter. Yeah. Okay. One thousand percent. Or even a white female. Or even a white female. Yeah, okay. Sure. So the, a lot of our program, again, we, we have to deal with the business basics of going through your systems and your, your profit yeah, margin right. and all of that fun stuff. That doesn't change with business. But, you know, I think the the heart of our program is really having a place where these minority women can really sit down and unpack all of this stuff and see how it's affected their business behavior. And your business behavior actually comes from your actual physical behavior and your relationships. It has to do with what's happened in your past, what's happened in your present, and how you decide your future is going to go. It's going to be the baggage that you carry from every negative narrative that has been thrown at you that now stops you from showing up as you should from a business perspective. We also have to arm these women with tools and resources so that they can figure out how to navigate future negative narratives, just like the one Dr. J in, um, encountered. Do you know what I mean? In, in my list of terrible bosses, as you said, Jerry, there was a trend. Every one of them had some issue with paying me what was actually in my contract. And looking back at that point, I just thought that I just had the worst luck until I started talking to other minority women and realizing this is a trend. This is what actually happens in business. So you have to be very strong in understanding what contracts are, what the legalities are, what the laws of the state that you're working in, the laws around your contracts are, but also making very intuitive and smart decisions from a business perspective that doesn't allow you to end up in a situation where you have to fight for what you are worth. And these are real life skills that we have to develop that a lot of other business owners don't have to. So we are really in the business of making sure that these women are not only empowered and happy and feel that they have a support system and they have a community behind them, but they have the real life skills that you need to navigate business as a minority woman that you're not going to learn in any regular PT school, business class, school or business class. Or I was going to say, we got to kick that up. I was going to say, we got to kick that up to forget PT school beyond, right? Because I could leave PT school and get business stuff that applies to me, right? Mm Mm-hmm. We can't. We, right. we, we exactly. didn't. You guys we haven't. Are. You know. So and and I mean, it it so much plays into the the um the narratives that is already there. It reinforces the narratives that people already think about minority women in business. Mm-hmm. We can't be successful, but if we don't have the tools, how can we be successful? We need more people with tools. We know more, need more people with that understanding of how to navigate the landscape, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. Awesome. Yeah, this is good. This is good stuff. Mm-hmm. What else, Dr. J? Anything to add? Um, I mean, outside of outside of the the mindset, you know, like Dr. D said, you know, a lot of where we see a lot of people fall is systems. You know, just 
you know, one of the You're things that I straight up business systems, right? Mm-hmm, just systems, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, even even if you are a newbie starting out kind of projecting, where is it that I want to be? Because do you have things in place to support that growth so that, you know, two, three, five, 10 years from now, you're not going, oh, crap, and trying to play catch up because you didn't have the right foundational things in place. And that's what we're seeing a lot of. We're seeing a lot of people, you know, they're they're grabbing at straws. They're trying to piecemeal and, and things aren't really working. And they're wondering why I can't track this. I can't figure this out. I can't, you know, I'm not getting success here. You know, all these different things. They can't figure out why things are not working. So we really sit down and talk with with our clients based on what they've got going on. Every every business is different in terms of maybe who they want to serve and and what they want to do and and their you know their culture and stuff. But at its core, business is the same. Business is business. The fundamentals are the same. And really trying to just figure out where it is they want to go and then help them to better navigate that. Um, you know, because again, it's, it's that you don't, you don't learn it. Like most people are frustrated. Most people are frustrated with the pay, the pay gap. Uh, you know, we still have a, a pay gap with regards to men and women for the same position with the same academic qualification or the same qualifications period that are, that are demanded. And we still have a huge pay gap. And then that's even, you know, a greater pay gap for minorities. And a lot of people are frustrated. They go in, they pour their heart out. You know, nobody wants to go into a job and be a bad employee. Um, they're really putting everything that they've got into it, but seeking, but, but, but getting nothing out in return, right? There's no growth. There's no, you know, there's no mentorship. There's no nothing. So at the end of the day, you're just going in at eight o'clock and coming out at five and doing the same thing over and over again. And, and many people just want something different. They want a chance to make a difference in their communities, uh, whatever communities those may be. They want a chance to be able to serve people in a different way, in a way that is meaningful, that is impactful, and, and in a way that is not dictated by some arbitrary system, aka insurance, uh, that really sh- has nothing to show for it at the end of the day. Oh, so you went for 30 visits, but do you feel better? But can you can you walk up the stairs yet, you know? Um, those types of things. And they really want to be able to thrive and have that balance. Like I want to be able to eat dinner with my family. <laughs> like I want to be able to, I want to be able to go on a trip. You know, I, I want to be able to take, you know, holiday, a holiday or holidays off and things of that sort and really having that balance. So we're really helping people to, to reframe how they perceive work, life, the balance, and then the goals that they have for that and for their business. Yeah. One, one thing I want to add to that. Um, I think we have both Dr. J and I pretty unique perspectives as immigrants. You know, we, our, our stories are not particularly usual or normal, you know, um, in terms of the business world. Um, but the one thing that I find myself coming back to every time that we meet with our students and every time that we have an amazing win is that we are building a legacy for minority women. Okay, it's it's about legacy in in this country. Unfortunately, there's been so much disenfranchisement that has happened 
the thing that prevents us from succeeding is not information. It's not tools. It's, it's right. access a lot of time. Yeah, that's great. That's a great you know I mean, point. and we are creating a legacy and creating people that have been that are successful and we are showing them the landscape and we're like, listen, you can plan for this if you know what's ahead of you. We didn't know what was ahead of us. Mm -hmm. Just just having that insight and that information of this is what's ahead of me. Now I can pick, as Dr. J said, the right system because I'm planning for something legacy wise versus for something tomorrow. Then people can start really gaining real advantages and really building themselves up and they can do the same for their community for their mom and for their dad and they don't have to be the first african american to start a business but they could be one of a long line of business owners mm -hmm. and i think that's what we're really interested in building we want that legacy it is achievable it's it's not the narrative that we are less than or we're incapable or we're not as smart or women can't do business mm -hmm. or whatever nonsense people come up with it's just a matter of opportunity and we really want to make sure we're providing that for our our students make sure you don't quit when you still need your hb1 visa <laughs> don't do that guys don't do that that was i yeah but sometimes you know what you got to be ballsy yes you and you have to be and you have to be unapologetic about being ballsy sometimes yeah. the it's the frightening decisions that are necessary to be made well, I see, I'm the crazy the, uh, one in this duo. I, yeah, I mean, right. I'm just like, whatever. Right. <laughs> well, no, but the first thing Danielle says is she says that and she doesn't realize, right? So, meaning it was oh. like, fuck, if I got to quit, I'll quit. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, it wasn't, well, it, oh, I got to keep towing the line because I got my, right? That that was the first no. thing she said after that, right? Was, no, I didn't. And, and, I and that was that. a blessing in the moment. But I will also yeah. say, I, I, I made that move from a place of empowerment. I knew my worth. Mm -hmm. Right, and I knew that I bought them a shit ton of money in that clinic, right. and I was just like, "This is just not acceptable. I'm I'm done with this." I had a standard for myself, yep. and uh, you know, as much as I didn't acutely think about it in that moment of the bluff of what if they say no, because in my mind there was only a yes. Yeah, right. There was no time. time. There was just there was just a yes and a when. You know, it took them two months, which was long enough because. Every every Wednesday, I was just like, so what, what's up with the transfer? Well, you know, I'll be back. Like every, every, I was just like, this is not happening. You know, I was insistent on it. And again, as I said in the beginning of the interview, you know, minority women have to have some conviction behind the things that we do, you know, by default. We, we have to. There, there's no room for self-doubt. There's no room for lack of confidence. The, the market will eat you up. And had I had had any of that in that moment, oh yeah, again I would not be here. So, but again, don't 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 <laughs> be 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 diligent. It is it is worthwhile to think through your decisions. And um, my 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 point here is not to be impulsive and to be brash. There, there are places for that, but back it up. You know, be be able to back it up. So, <laughs> uh, just awesome. Good. This is. Like I said, these have all been spectacular and this has been spectacular. So I appreciate your time, both Dr. Danelle and Dr. J. Um, any parting words of wisdom? I want to make sure you guys get the last word. In. I, I would just say know your worth, guys. Um, you, you don't have to be a minority woman to appreciate the story because the elements of 
both of our stories that I think anyone can resonate with as a new grad, as a business entrepreneur, of feeling like you're not getting paid your worth, of really pushing forward and making sure that people believe in you in the market and you want to build something amazing and have an amazing legacy that you can be proud of. We all have those aspirations. And I think that starts with really knowing your worth and what you bring to the market. Um and really forming the connections and the relationships that are going to get you there. I don't think you should ever leave out the relationships. That's how you build your business. That's how you build your life. So something to think um, to carry with you at all times. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think I think as I will always I'm I'm a mom. That's who I am. And I think, you know, over the years, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I, I can't do this and I can't do that because I've got I've got kids. You, you're the only thing stopping you. Um, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a situation. It's just a matter of figuring out what the best move is and then making it. Uh, but even if you're listening to this and you are a female who is hesitant to make a move because, you know, oh gosh, I'm a mom. I've got little kids know that it's been done and know that it can be done. You know, if, if you're hesitant because you don't know what, what the next opportunity is, sometimes you just got to make your opportunity. Sometimes you've got to be bold enough and brash enough to just make your opportunity. If it's not there, if it's not been painted for you, go paint it yourself. Um, but just know that it is possible and it can be done. Awesome. Well, this has been awesome. I appreciate both of you guys coming on and sharing all this. The, yeah, this is this is the, the stories I wanted to hear and I wanted to hear people. And I told you guys at the beginning, I've learned something, everyone, and I've learned a ton today. So I appreciate you guys' time. Um, so I want to thank everybody for listening yet again, and, uh, please come back next week for the next episode of what's, what's best for the patient is best for business. Cheers. All. Thank you for listening today to the podcast. Here's what I want you to do next. Um, if you want to stay in touch or want more information on the doing of all this, then I highly recommend, and I really want you to go over to my YouTube page, Jerry Durham PT, J E R R Y D U R H A M. There is just so much content videos added weekly if not daily and you will be able to bury yourself and immerse yourself into this content and learn all you need to know to start implementing some of the things we talked about today second thing i want you to do is just jump in feet first over at my facebook group what's best for the patient is best for business daily interactions, right? I'll be there. You can have discussions with other people. You can ask me questions. I post there frequently, post videos. I share information there. So it's a place to stay up to date and be very interactive with other people who have the same goals and mindset that you do and want to create this business, this healthcare practice that will scale and grow and give you financial performance. Cheers all.